Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from Weatherford, Oklahoma. I just got back from our clinic in Tiger, Georgia. Just had a, I tell you what, just had a wonderful time in Georgia. I hope I get to go back to that country sometime soon. It was, uh, of course it's beautiful. Scenery was beautiful. We just got through a cold spell here in Oklahoma the morning I left. There was snow everywhere and it froze. And so luckily I made it to the airport and my flight was just a blessing, but my flight was one of the few that wasn't canceled that morning. So I made it out, flew to Atlanta, waited in line to get my rental car for about an hour with me and about a thousand other people. (laughs) It was crazy. I tell you what, I couldn't believe that many people needed rental cars. But then I find out later that, of course, this is, you know, I'm kind of a country bumpkin. Everybody knows that. But Atlanta is the busiest airport in the world, which I'm not going to lie, I really... I really fit in. Um, not really. At one point, I'm standing in line to get that rental car, and this one couple walk by, and they both look at me, and the lady looks at her husband. She just starts laughing. <laughs> you know, and I always talk about people watching because it's a pretty interesting place to watch people in big airports. You know, it's just interesting. And, you know, you know, they were going, oh, my God. When we couldn't imagine it becoming a bigger freak show than it was, here's this guy in this cowboy costume, you know. So it's just, uh, it's kind of funny when you think about it. You know, I'm the one thinking, holy buckets. How come these people ain't got hats and boots on? And (laughs) and they're looking at me like I'm the freak show waiting in line. So it kind of, it made me chuckle. Anyway, you know, uh, I get my rental car. It's a task just to get out of the rental car building for me as luck would have it you know i land at about 3 30 takes me an hour to get a rental car 4 30 probably get out on the roads at by about five rush hour traffic on friday in atlanta <laughs> seven or eight lanes of traffic i mean i ain't gonna lie i'm about halfway i'm about 30 minutes into getting out of Atlanta and I'm driving away from Atlanta and I'm thinking there ain't no way I'm coming back here to do another clinic if I got to drive through Atlanta you know the simple part of me the the old old fill is what I call that when I revert back to that and then I have to remind myself you know I'm always preaching have a growth mindset get comfortable with being uncomfortable well, as I'm driving out of there, I ain't going to lie. I'm thinking, yeah, that's BS. <laughs> I I'm just like everybody else. Sometimes I don't like to listen to my own preaching. So anyway, get about an hour out and then it gets, and then I get to actually start enjoying the scenery because I'm, uh, number one, the death grip that I have on the steering wheel relaxes a little bit. 
and I and I get to start looking around a little bit because the traffic lightens up and and it was just uh, I mean just a beautiful drive. I I love it when I get to uh, experience new places in the world. You know, there's a lot of history in that country, a lot of history and. And so uh, the clinic was at Tiger, Georgia. Karen Woody was the host. And Karen, thank you for setting everything up. It was a, it was a wonderful facility. You know, there is well-managed, beautiful facility, great group of riders, great group of trainers. You know, we had the whole gamut of horses. You know, some were, some were really advanced, some were, some were greener in others and challenging. And so it was a it was a great group for people to learn watching others work with their horses and a uh, little cool in the mornings, you know, in George, going to Georgia in February, I think, yeah, that'll be perfect. You know, it's going to be, going to be warm. I'm thinking about Georgia peaches, you know, I was definitely in the off season of the peaches. There weren't any peaches being harvested when I was there, but yeah, it was a little cool in the mornings because it, the facility but like I said, beautiful facility, but down there, of course, in the summertime, you know, it's hot and everything's real open on the sides, just a roof on it. And so basically during the day we were in the shade, you know, and once you stepped outside, it was like stepped out into the sun. It was probably 20 degrees warmer, but, but it was very bearable and it was very enjoyable. And, uh, I just had a wonderful time stayed in Clayton, Georgia. And I stayed at a little place called Mountain Air Cottages. And if you ever get to Clayton, Georgia, which Clayton, Georgia, really, really nice little town and uh, really clean. People were super nice. I mean, super nice. But it is actually where they shot the movie Deliverance. And some of you from my era will remember that movie. Now, I never did watch that movie because I'm not big on watching scary movies especially before I go to bed. I'm, I'm pretty jumpy at nights anyway. It doesn't take a whole lot to wake me up. And so dreaming, dreaming about the movie Deliverance isn't something that I ever wanted to do. So um, I never watched the movie, but that's one of their claims to fame. And, and it's kind of a tourist town. But this, this Mountaineer Cottages, I had uh, booked my room there. And so I was staying, there's just four four rooms and then like half a dozen cottages and it's just cute as heck. Well, I get there and there's a handwritten note to me on the door, welcoming me, thanking me for coming and staying, letting me know if I need anything to let them know. And so I stayed in this room called the American room. And, you know, it was so cool because it was this neat room had a little fireplace in the corner it was old i mean it might the room might have been that facility might have been 100 years old but it was a great example to me of the value of some sweat equity and some pride of ownership because the gentleman that runs this owns it and i mean it was just i tell you what it was just a great reminder for me that there are people there are a lot of people in this world, just like us, that have pride of ownership. I mean, that place was old, old, but spotless and something that was cool. So 
it was decorated as the American Room, very patriotic, a poster of Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln on the wall, had a copy of the Constitution on the wall, you know, American flag on the wall behind the headboard. I tell you what, and it was weird. It, it, you know, I was, it was usually those rooms aren't really comfortable for me. I'm not that, I don't sleep that good. And gosh, I slept so good, even though here's one thing the first night, and this is, this is just for anybody out there that's got an Airbnb or um, anything like that. So there's this wind chime out on the patio. They got this patio and this deck off of these rooms, which was really cool. Middle of the night, the wind picks up and that wind chime goes to playing. And I'm like, where in the heck is that son of a gun? It was kind of around the corner up by this deck. And so I'm listening to that wind chime for a while while the while the wind's blowing. So if you do have a motel and an Airbnb, probably don't put a wind chime outside somebody's door. That next morning, I uh, found it and 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 took it down and set it on a chair until I left and then I put it back up. <laughs> so I didn't really need the wind chime at 3 a.m. But, you know, I, I know none of that has anything to do with horsemanship, but it does to me reflect just how much good there is in this world. And, and it's just, it was just a super enjoyable weekend for me had a great place to do a clinic, had a great group of trainers, had a great group of horses, had a big pool of challenges, which you want. Yeah, you, you want, you don't want to go to a clinic and not be challenged. Because if you aren't, it's almost like a waste of your time and money. You know, we had two really good days of riding, a big diversity, you know, in, in, trainers and and horses you know and we had we had one rider paisley she was 10 years old just turned 10 and it amazed me because it used to be it's kind of a of a reflection of the advancement and the progression in our industry paisley and her parents were there it used to be that a 10 year old wouldn't stay hooked for two days and you know paisley was at the end of the second day, you almost had to tell her that that's good enough. You know, we're, your horse has had enough. She uh, stayed hooked, rode both days, all day. The first day, Friday, we didn't get done till 7 o'clock at night. We were doing an exercise, a five-cone drill that I love to do, and, and everybody takes turns going through there, and it'll take, it'll take five minutes, five to ten minutes per horse, so it takes a while to get through it. But it's a great exercise and everybody needs to do it so that when they go home, they can apply that to their program or implement that into their system. You know, that's one of the things with clinics, any instruction that you get, any knowledge that you get, understand, understand that it's worthless unless you go home and apply it. You can, you can have all the knowledge in the world up in your head but if you don't apply it and you don't practice and here's the thing about practicing and i always have to remind the trainers at my clinics of this because 
there are times when we're doing exercises that you can see the frustration in their faces. Well, you have to remind yourself anytime you start practicing an exercise and it's the first time or one of the first few times that you and your horse have done that exercise, just think how silly it is to expect it to be perfect. But that's kind of how we're wired. We want it, we want it to be perfect. We want it to be perfect now, dang it, right? Well, here's the challenge with that is because of that frustration when we try something new and we understand that if it doesn't go good, we don't like that feeling of frustration. We just don't do it. That's, that's the number one reason why we have such a lack of collection in our horses. Because basically every horse there could definitely improve in their collection, some a lot more than others, right? Well, why don't, why, why don't our horses have better collection? You know, and we've talked about this in some detail before, but this is, this will be in addition to what we've already talked about. So stay hooked and just stay with me through this. You know, you know, you think about it. Why, why don't we have better collection and why is that so difficult? Number one, your horse is not built to be naturally collected. Now, some breeds of horses are. You know, I've got uh, Equifest in Kansas. I'm one of the presenters at Equifest this year. And so I'll be doing three demonstrations, I think March 17th, 18th, 19th. And Hannah and I are doing a breakaway school on the 16th or 17th. Anyway, I'd have to look at my calendar to see exactly. Hold on just a second. I'll give you those dates just in case. Yeah. Okay. The Ropen School, the Breakaway School is March 17th at Equifest. And we'll just be taking 12 ropers. So it's going to be a really small group. Um, be a lot of one-on-one -on -one instruction. Hannah's going to assist me at that, at that school. And then the 18th, 19th, and 20th of March, I'll be presenting at Equifest. Well, you know, one of the things I'm going to be talking about at Equifest is, is that, is understanding the challenges of keeping that collection and, and gaining better collection. Because here's the big thing with horses. They, horses are naturally front-end loaded. They, they just, when they're standing there, like right now while I'm speaking, Mabel is saddling our, our horses for today while I'm working on this podcast. And every one of them horses tied to the hitching rack out there is standing natural. And if you put a scale under their front feet and back feet, every one of them's front end loaded. Okay, so our horses are naturally built that way. The second thing is, Horses naturally have bilateral tendencies, okay? So a bilateral tendency, the best way I can, the best example I've ever heard on that is Al Dunning's where he said, it's like putting a 10 foot two by four under your arm, okay? And holding that two by four and then moving the front of it to the left. Okay, when you move the front of that two by four to the left, what happens to the back of that two by four? 
swings to the right. Okay, a bilateral tendency is when movement of one end affects movement of the other end. Well, horses are naturally bilateral. Okay, so anytime there's a movement of one end, it pivots in the middle and the other end moves the opposite direction. Well, you say, well, how does that, how does that affect collection? Well, anytime that horse pivots in the center, they're on their front end. Okay, so right off the bat, we have that, you know, that is a challenge that we have to help our horse overcome with our collection. The second thing is going back to a lot of times we don't practice the exercises we should because they're not super rewarding right off the bat. And, and to me, that is two of the first three exercises that I do in my level one horsemanship program is lateral flexion and one rein stops. You know, lateral flexion, lateral flexion helps that horse soften in their head, neck, shoulders, and rib cage. Okay. Because if a horse doesn't soften in their rib cage, when you ask for a lateral flex, what happens? Their hind end steps out and their, their back end keeps moving, right? Well, the reason a horse does that, because the two responses that you're looking for when you flex a horse laterally, and it's a four-step process, it's a four-step system to flex my horses laterally. Number one, my hand goes down the rein and stays there. Doesn't, doesn't pick up on their nose. Number two, my off hand goes to the horn and, and my hand goes on the top of the horn and pushes against the heel of my hand. Number three, I push down on my heels so the fenders of my stirrup leathers move away from my horse's rib cage, meaning when my legs are away from your rib cage, that's a cue or a signal or a trigger to get ready to stop or turn. And number three, that's number three. Number four, I slowly, I just bring my hand to my leg somewhere between my pocket and my knee, okay? And I, and I set, the, set the heel of my hand, set the, well, not the heel, but set my hand just like I was sticking a knife in my leg, okay? Set it right there between my, my knee and my pocket. When you do those four steps, the two responses I'm looking for is their feet need to be dead still and they need to get off that bridle, meaning need, they need to put a slight amount of slack in the bridle rein, which that's the release. Okay, as soon as a horse gives you that, you got to give that back. You got to release. Well, when you do that, if your horse just starts moving around in a circle basically and what they do is they kind of swap ends they move the front end a little bit move the back end a little bit but more often than than not the front end becomes a pivot point and the back end just keeps moving around it just think about that remember what i talked about just a little bit ago about bilateral tendencies by moving one end it affects the other end that's a bilateral tendency of a horse okay the only way that horse is going to stop moving its feet and get off the bridle is to, to find that release point using their head, neck, shoulders, and rib cage. Okay. When that horse softens in that rib cage, that's when their feet will stop and they'll get off the bridle. 
you can physically manipulate that head and neck. You can manually leverage that head and neck around. That that everybody can do that. The problem is, if that's what you do, you just bend it around and you still have pressure on that bridle rein. You haven't you haven't taught that horse anything. All you've done is physically manipulated their body. That doesn't teach them anything. The release is what you teach. I mean, I heard Martin Black say that a long time ago. The release is what you teach, you know, and and I'm sure somebody before him taught him that. And, you know, it's been around forever. But it, what's funny is at that point in my career, which this was. Oh, this was probably in the 90s, early 90s. I was still in that mode where I thought we were teaching horses to give to pressure. And that pressure was what I was teaching. When I applied pressure, they needed to find the response. Well, I was one step short of having it right. Yes, you use pressure or contact to get the desired response. But when that horse finds that release point and you reward them by releasing that's the key that's the key and so just thinking about going back to talking about the challenge of collection that's where it all starts right there and here's something i see everywhere i go i start with lateral flexion and we talk about how important it is but at the same time, at that point, I still see in everybody's face like, yeah, let's get to the good stuff. And, and I totally get that. I totally get that because there was a time in my career where I was that exact same guy. I remember telling a guy that was a real good horseman one time, yeah, I'm pretty good at this, this, and this, but I just want to do bit. I want to learn how to do big stops and turnarounds. And this, this was a long time ago, but I remember him looking at me like, yeah, you're so dumb. <laughs> and, and he didn't say that, God bless him. But, you know, then, then later I figured out, yeah, I really suck at the basics. You know, once I get better at the basics, everything else takes care of itself. Well, just like with lateral flexion and one rein stops, Soften your horse laterally and vertically. Help your horse understand that when they feel that contact or pressure, that there's a release point. Well, you've done two things, and this is something I've talked about a little bit in the past too, is number one, you've built confidence. Every time you release and that horse finds, gets that reward, you, you, you improve your your communication, your understanding. Let me ask you this. How many of us, how many of you out there have a great relationship with somebody whose communication with you and them kind of sucks? Like you don't have great communication, but you have this awesome relationship. You have this awesome understanding. You have this awesome trust and respect for each other. Right? Nobody, nobody has that. 
when I have a great relationship with somebody, you know, and, and everybody has these, when just think about the best relationship you have in your life. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of communication with your horse? And if you did have that kind of communication with your horse, do you think everything that you do would be easier and more rewarding just because of the communication level, the trust level, the respect level, the understanding level? Yeah, absolutely, right? Absolutely. When I started to understand that, my whole life changed with everything. With everything. Because pretty much I was a communication idiot. Yeah, you might I might tell you what I'm thinking, but it might be pretty short, pretty impatient. You know, I've, my my wife has told me numerous times, you're going to have to early on, especially now I'm better now, but well, she might argue that too, but <laughs> she, we, she's been with me 31 years, so she's kind of stuck. Of course, she's got, that's, that's 31 years she's got invested into me and to improving my communication. But, you know, there's been numerous times she's told me you need to tell me what you're thinking i can't read your mind i think about that now looking back and i bet there's a bunch of horses that have thought that you know and i just feel bad thinking about it but you know even now on my worst day my release is still pretty good I know how important that release is. I know how important developing that communication is. Going out here in a little bit just to, to step on my first horse of the morning, it doesn't mean I won't ask for a lot at times. It doesn't mean I won't ask them to get out of their comfort zone. It doesn't mean if their feet get sticky, I won't encourage them to get them moving in a way that they completely understand. But when they give me that effort, when they give me that response, when they give me that movement, I'm going to be ready and I will release. There will be a release in everything every time I get a response. Collection is such a such a challenge. It's the biggest weakness I see everywhere I go. It's the biggest weakness in every horse I've got in training right now. Their, their collection is not perfect. As it gets better, everything will get better stops turns lead departures lead changes side passing two tracking all of those exercises improve with collection period so think about that communication and think how important it is to develop that communication with our horses just like the best relationship we have in our lives because I promise you, if you have a great relationship with somebody, you have great communication, you have great trust, you have great understanding. And you have confidence off the chart for that individual. So that's what I wanted to share today. 
I hope you all have a great week of training. It's a be- We're going to have a beautiful week here in Weatherford, Oklahoma. I can't wait to get out there this morning. Have a great week. God bless each and every one of you. Today and every day, as always, always be your best. See you all. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhagenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhagenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.